was a place in time and space we can all be free. So meet me at the rainbow's end. We don't even have to pretend that we know what it is we're looking for. We're looking for. Life is just a dream. Lucky you. Lucky, lucky me. Life is just a dream. Lucky you. Lucky, lucky me. Yes, life is just a dream sometimes. This is Rico back at home podcasting on a Saturday night, uh, but we're still going to call this podcast 263 for, yeah, we'll call it for Sunday, January 24th, 2010, and you are listening to Trex in Sci-Fi. That little opening bit of music there uh, was from a very gifted singer that I enjoy uh, called Kate Edmondson. I think you can find her on MySpace. Just the last name is E D M O N S O N, and that uh, song is called "Lucky," which uh, I thought it was kind of a little happy tune to start out the show with. This week on Trex and Sci-Fi, we are going to, or I am going to, <laughs> along with you listening, going to finally tackle the Fellowship of the Ring, the first Lord of the Rings uh, movie by Peter Jackson. I am going to attempt to talk about it, my thoughts on it, play some clips. And uh, just give you a little bit of a a feel for what Rico thinks of that movie and uh, the whole trilogy just a little bit, but mostly focusing on the first film. Uh, A little bit of other news and information, things related to the new job and and stuff like that. So uh, sit back, relax, and get ready for uh, this week's installment of Treks in Sci-Fi. Welcome to this week's, again, edition of Treks and Sci-Fi, everyone. Uh, you know, it's I just uh, got back from uh, being out of town for work. I uh, drove in after work yesterday. It took about six hours to get back home. So uh, at first, I'd like to just apologize. If this podcast isn't uh, maybe as sharp and as witty and as entertaining, well, it's definitely going to be entertaining. But uh, I'm, I'm a little whipped, I, I guess, a little... You know, just a little loopy, maybe. And plus, I don't ever podcast usually on Saturday night, but I'm going to be going back uh, again to uh, the job location in Illinois and Rockford in that area uh, tomorrow. And I won't really have a whole lot of time to do it, just post it tomorrow. And I'm going to be without internet for a couple of days, too. I'm getting a, uh, uh, a little house I'm renting from some relatives in the area. That worked out, so that's nice. But Anyway, so this is quite a bit different, and it's sort of segueing into being uh, a recording over in Illinois, and I'll keep people posted and update on the show, but 
it's probably a fair chance I may shift either the day I record and or the day that the podcast gets released a little bit. I'll keep everyone in the loop about that. I think next weekend should be pretty normal. I'll probably be staying in the uh, Illinois area for the weekend. I'm bringing my most of my gear, my better computer instead of this old laptop, uh, my real mic that I'm recording on now. And and just the you know the usual stuff that I have to do the show, so it should be pretty normal next weekend. Uh, after that, I'm not sure. I think the following weekend, or maybe the following one. I don't know. I'll be coming home one of those. It's a little up in the air right now. So, but the job's still continuing to uh, to go well. Lots. Uh, it's it's really been busy so far. It's it's been a very hectic two weeks at both at the job, and even outside of the job. So, uh, but all is well. Uh, it's a little. Uh, difficult to say the least to be sort of uh you know working in one state and living in another a little bit and uh, a little blend of the two and all that i I don't really recommend it but uh, you know you have to do what you have to do these days uh so uh, president obama yes you can take me off that unemployed list at least for now (laughs) so like i said crazy show i think i might even have a beer towards the end of it no I did finish off my Gatorade, so I I need something to drink. But uh, anyway, stand by. We're going to just take a short break, and I'm going to get into some little Trek and and sci-fi news, and then we're going to get right into the Fellowship of the Ring. Hi, folks. Before we get started on Treks in Sci-Fi today, I want to tell you about a new promotion that I have going with Zazzle.com, Z-A-Z-Z-L-E.com. It's a place online that you can go to to make custom T-shirts, mugs, greeting cards, uh, mouse pads, all kinds of cool stuff, uh, paper that you might want to, note paper and things. Anyway, you can do your own images on these things, uh, text and all kinds of stuff like that. And if you go over to Zazzle.com now, make sure to use the special promo codes that I have. If you order uh, something $50 and more, you can save 10% if you use the code TREXINSI10. And you can get 12% off orders that are $75 or more using the code TREXINSI12, okay? And there's a link on the main website about those offers, too, if you don't have a pencil to write it down right now. Okay, let's talk uh, some track and some sci-fi things. A few things going on. The wrench... (laughs) Here we go. It's already starting. The restaurant chain, Del Taco, I don't think there are any of those in Michigan. Maybe there are some in Illinois. I'll have to look around a little bit. But Del Taco is teaming up with Star Trek Online, you know, the new MMO Trek game that's uh, out in beta now, will be out in stores very soon, just in a week, a little more than a week, February 2nd, I believe. And uh, they are teaming up with uh, some collector cups, some promotional giveaways, I guess there are about 500 Del Taco restaurants. Actually, I do think I saw one maybe in Illinois at one point uh, on my uh, looking around there over the last couple of weeks. But maybe people who uh, who listen to this show in the Illinois and Chicago area can tell me if there are Del Tacos in the uh, Rockford area of Illinois. But they uh, there are some promotions and uh, beta key giveaways things uh, related to the Star Trek Online game with Del Taco, especially these collector you know the the usual like collector cups four of them it looks like featuring different ships uh as uh, rendered in the star trek online game so check that out at your local del taco another trek related story is it looks like the the quester tapes which was a uh, a lost sort of pilot that gene roddenberry did back in the 70s, is going to be sort of resurrected. His son, Rod Roddenberry, announced this. They're uh, planning to do a pilot film and possible TV series featuring Questor, which was a sort of prototype to data on TNG. He was this android uh, that uh, was created uh, and sort of served... The idea was that in the pilot, at least, he would sort of serve as a, a kind of a protector and a protector of humanity uh, and and things like that, get into some interesting situations. He also kind of lacked the emotions that Data did. So he was definitely a a precursor to Data and TNG. And this uh, is pretty exciting news. I I like this idea that they're going to make another go and another attempt at this after, like, you know, 35-plus years or something. So uh, we'll see how that all pans out. I thought the movie they did was was very ahead of its time at at that time. you know, back in the 70s, I remember it. And uh, if you would uh, like to see it, 
You can see that original film over at geekplay.tv, my little uh, streaming site for cult classic television, if you'd like to check that out, and some other uh, lost Gene Roddenberry pilots uh, up in the little Flash uh, streaming uh, TV jukebox over there. And the Star Trek The Exhibition, which I saw in, in Detroit, or at least part of it, you know, it's in, I think, two pieces right now in two different cities, but the uh, section that's in San Jose is going to stay there until April 11th. It was going to wrap up uh, this month, but uh, it looks like they're going to keep it there for a few more months in San Jose. So yeah, check that out. I thought, you know, I wished it had been a little bit bigger, a little bit more. I wish it was they had kept the full exhibit all together, and I could have seen it all. Uh, although, who knows if it would have made it to the Detroit area if that was the case. But uh, check that out. It's uh, it's worth checking uh, to see the cool models and costumes and things like that, that they have there. And if you happen to be in the San Francisco area, there is a Star Trek uh, convention going on there this weekend. I would love it if someone uh, maybe that's uh, listening to the podcast that uh, went to that San Francisco convention it is uh, going on, like I said, this weekend right now. So shoot me an email, treksf at gmail.com. Let me know what it was like. Looks like some people from like DS9, uh, some other uh, series are there. Uh, they've got uh, various, you know, the usual costuming shows. I'm looking at their schedule online as I'm recording this. Uh, you know, talks and things like that. Uh, Armin Shimmerman's there, Vaughn Armstrong, uh, the, you know, the J.G. Hertzler, who played Martok, Chase Masterson, Lita. Uh, but uh, not a huge convention, but uh, sometimes I've always thought those smaller cons were a little more fun. So any, if anyone's up in the San Francisco area, uh, let me know what you thought. And that uh, that's about all the Trek news I wanted to pass on. I, I'm going to try to mostly focus this week on the main topic, the Fellowship of the Ring uh, show or show movie <laughs> But it is, uh, you know, always good to put in a little bit of Trek news and stories. Nothing really new on the next movie. I know that I think I talked a little bit about it on last weekend, sort of impromptu uh, No Agenda podcast where I related some stories and some things going on uh, with the job and that with me. But they probably are not going to get, get to the scripting portion for a couple more months yet. So right now it's just all going to be a bunch of speculation. So uh Television has been, uh, it's been difficult for me to catch everything. Uh, I've missed some things. I did see, uh, and I think I talked about this on last week's podcast, that last Dollhouse. There's one more to go next Friday night, and that has uh, just been a great show, great run. I, I've really enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, what else? I'm a little behind on Fringe, although I got my uh, answer to my question. Thanks for the person that emailed, and I'm sorry I'm blanking on the name of who, but you'll know who it is. <laughs> Maybe I'll try to look it up when I take a break, but thank you for cluing me in about that one special Monday Night Fringe episode that they aired. I guess that was a lost episode, not lost the TV show, but lost episode uh, from season one, which is why Charlie was running around in it. Uh, so and thanks for clearing that up for me. Uh, what else sci-fi-wise? Big Bang Theory is still always fun and good. Uh, I'm kind of missing Smallville. I thought it was going to be back this week, but maybe it was and I just missed it. It's on Friday, so I'm going to look up on the schedule and see if it was on last night or not. Um, what else? Uh, Clone Wars has had a couple of new episodes, but I'm behind on that. i got to get caught up on watching those. Uh, Legend of the Seeker, I'm one behind on. What else? Chuck is still good. I'm also one behind on that. I'm one or two episodes behind on a lot of series right now. It's just the internet in the hotel, like I had said last week, wasn't the greatest. And I just haven't. I, I am actually currently moving shows from my TiVo over to my computer. So I will be able to watch those when I take my computer up to uh, the new uh, rental place uh, near the job tomorrow. I have the ability to do that. TiVo can move content either from the computer to the TiVo to play or vice versa, which is a great feature. And uh, and TiVo has not sponsored this podcast. <laughs> so anyway, I will have a chance to get caught up on things once I get settled in a little bit more and hopefully will be uh, not so far behind on, on the, some of the TV stuff. Although I am caught up on uh, 24, not really a sci-fi series, but I, I did see the first four hours of that, and uh, it was pretty good so far. They've moved it to New York, and uh, I think that'll be fun to see instead of in the L.A. area where it's been pretty much during its whole run. So I'm a big fan of that series. It's not sci-fi, but it's just a lot of fun, uh, and Kiefer Sutherland is great. So I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back, and we'll get into The Fellowship of the Ring.
Want to contribute to the weekly podcast with audio comments? Send them in to treksf at gmail.com or visit www.treksinsci-fi.com. Treks and Sci-Fi with Rico Dusty. Yeah, so let's get into The Fellowship of the Ring, the first film of the Lord of the Rings saga from Peter Jackson. This film uh, was first released in December of 2001, so it's, what does that make it, uh, eight years old? Yeah, because we just had December of 2009, so a little bit more than eight years old since it came out. Uh, doesn't seem that long, really, and the, the cool, wonderful thing about this movie, you know, just you know, one of the many wonderful things about these films, I, I am a big, big fan of the movies and the books. The beat the I, I I really just think the way they did this, where they released one film a year in the trilogy. You know, each each Christmas we got another Lord of the Rings. We didn't have to wait two years or three years or whatever. And I think that's important for a number of reasons. One, this is sort of a complicated story. You know, when we get sequels like to the Trek movies or Iron Man or whatever the, you know, movie is, you know, even Harry Potter a little bit, but uh, I'll go back to that. But the the point I'm trying to say is that these uh, this these books are, are, are fairly rich with, with various characters and story and all that. And I think if they were, if these had been released with a two or a three year gap between them, I don't think it would have been nearly as, a, you know, an effective way to do it. And I think we would have lost some of it, especially for people who don't really know the stories at all and were completely new to The Lord of the Rings when they went to see it. I think that uh, filming them all at once was a bold move by both Peter Jackson and New Line Studios who did that and, and okayed the fact that they filmed all these things in one big chunk and and really didn't know how they were going to go over. You know, The Lord of the Rings has got a huge following. The books have been you know, treasured for years. J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, books uh, are, are just, you know, read and reread by by numerous fans and people for so long have been studied and, and courses taught on them. And, and to come in, to me, it was almost, you know, on the uh, level of, you know, recasting the original Star Trek series, you know, to, to come in and try to make a live action adventure film uh, of this, uh, you know, of these books and do it in parts like this, and try to include at least the, you know the the vast majority of the scenes and the importance and, and everything, and really get the sort of essence of the the story and and the characters across was just it's just an amazing monumental kind of task. I mean, I I, I mean even if somebody had thrown me a bunch of money and said here go make these, I, I would have been really you know I'm not it's it just. You got to really hand it to Peter Jackson. I know there's a huge number of people, actors behind the scene, you know, Weta Studios, and just numerous, numerous people that went into making these. And and those people all really deserve credit as well. You know, Howard Shore with the music, all the actors, Elijah Wood, Vigo, you know, Orlando Bloom, John Rice Davies. I, I I mean, Hugo Weaving. It's just Kate Blanchett. I, I mean, it's just crazy. Um, of all the talent that went into these, but Peter Jackson still the director and the guy who just had to have everything coordinated together and everything I've always heard about these movies and him as a as a director and as a movie maker is that he's a very uh, he's a good guy. I mean, he doesn't go crazy, he doesn't yell and scream. He he's good with the actors, good with the effects, the production crew. He is a good filmmaker. He's, he reminds me quite a bit of Steven Spielberg in a way because you always I've always heard those kinds of things about Steven Spielberg, that he's just uh, great to work with, great on the set with the different people, that both, again, the people in front of the camera, behind the camera, everywhere in between. And I, I think Peter Jackson has that kind of talent and can handle it. In the sort of in a way, I don't mean this in a, in a dictatorial way, but he's sort of the general of of the whole production, you know. And even more, I think, on these movies than somebody who just goes out and shoots like a cop movie or a drama or whatever. There there is so much to coordinate in, in a film like this, and the fact that he is from this area of the world where they filmed in in New Zealand. 
uh, I think was just a, a great fit. I, I've said it a few times on the podcast. It's one of my treasured locations I, I, I would like to visit sometime. It just looks gorgeous and beautiful. And I think just added so much to the the look of Middle Earth for these films that I, I don't think there's few other, you know, there's probably some other places, but, you know, you have the mountains, you have the forest, you have the hills, the just everything that they needed to make a, a movie look sort of in this sort of fantasy realm that the Lord of the Rings takes place in. So I'm done babbling for a few minutes. <laughs> Here's the trailer to the first movie in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Fellowship of the Ring. In the lands of Middle-earth, legend tells of the Dark Lord Sauron and the ring that would give him the power to enslave the world. Lost for centuries, it has been sought by many and has now found its way into the hands of the most unlikely person imaginable. Sauron needs only this ring to cover all the lands in darkness. What must I do? The ring must be destroyed. The ring must be cast back into the fires of Mount Doom. There is evil there that does not sleep. Sauron's forces are already moving. They will find the ring and kill the one who carries it. No! Come on, Frodo! do this alone. You have my sword. And you have my bow. And my axe. This task was appointed to you. And if you do not find a way, no one will. The enemy has many spies. Birds. Beasts. Something draws near. I can feel it. Get off the road! Hide! Always remember, Frodo, the ring is trying to get back to its master. It wants to be found. Let us hope that our presence may go unnoticed. go i can still remember when i heard that and watched that first heard it well watched the trailer to that film and just said you know this this is going to be good it's going to be faithful to what tolkien wrote in his books and and just a, a great time at the movies uh, uh let's let's go into a little of the history and some uh, behind the scenes info uh, Miramax, uh, the studio Miramax Studios, was the the first studio actually to express interest in doing Peter Jackson, uh, Lord of the Rings movies. But they actually wanted to do the whole thing, all the whole Lord of the Rings, all three books, in in one movie. And Jackson just basically said, "No, I'm I'm not going to do it that way." And uh, you know, he he left. He was trying to find a studio to do it at least as two films. Eventually, they they went. Uh, to New Line, and the the deal was set up in a pitch to this guy, uh, the president there, Robert Shea, and uh, he said the, the, the interesting thing here is where Miramax wanted to shove it all into one movie, the New Line president, Robert Shea, said that, uh, and, and Peter was at least hoping for two movies, New Line said, why don't you make it three? It's three books, why don't you make it three movies? So that's where they got it okayed and said, we're going to do it in three movies. The script was was constantly during the whole time of filming all the movies 
was being rewritten at all, all the stages, basically all the time. A lot of that had to do with the actors. The actors in these movies, uh, especially certain ones, Vigo especially, got very into their characters and, and had a lot to, of input and say in, in the certain ways they would say things and do things and some of the scripting. So that, that worked out a lot. They became all very close during the filming, too, pretty much. They actually, the actors, the main fellowship of the nine, you know, the nine main people, the nine main actors, the hobbits, the elves, the humans, the dwarf, and all that, Gandalf, they they all got tattoos. The, the interesting thing is the uh, eight of the nine of them all got tattoos, the actors did, which said, they just said a small uh, word, the word nine for, you know, the Fellowship of the Nine. And the only one of the actors, you know, think for a second if you've never heard this story before, but the only, there's only one of the actors that decided he didn't want to do that. And the answer is, do, do, do. <laughs> oh, I'm singing it. No, the answer is John Rhys Davies. Uh, yes, Sala from the Lord, or Lord of the Rings. Yes, from Lord of the Rings as Gimli. But uh, Sala, Sala in uh, the Raiders movies, he didn't want to do it. Uh, I guess he sent to, the the story that I read is he sent his stunt double to get uh, to get a, a little the tattoo the word nine on him. And uh, but all the rest of them have tattoos. You can even see it in certain movies that they've done when they're 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 in different areas. Like Vigo Mortensen's is on his uh, left shoulder. Uh, Orlando Bloom is actually on his forearm. And uh, you can actually see it in the, one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. You can see Orlando's uh, little tattoo that says the word nine. Uh, a few other little things, some, and I'll fade in this sort of trivia, I call it, or behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, a few actor, inf- you know, some actor information. Daniel Day-Lewis uh, was actually offered the role of Aragorn uh, Strider and turned it down. Of course, that eventually went to Viggo Mortensen, who I think just did a fantastic job. One of the one of my favorites in in these movies and, and in the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, David Bowie was uh, wanted to play the elf uh, lord Elrond, but eventually, of course, that went to Hugo Weaving, who was uh, Agent Smith in the Matrix movies, and I think does a, a great job here. Elijah Wood, all, all the different actors that played the Hobbits. I think did a great job here, especially I think uh, the uh, Sam Wise character, Sean Astin. I, I I just love the way he portrays him as such a good friend to to Frodo's character, so loyal to you know throughout the, all the movies, and and I think he did a fantastic, great job in in all of them. Uh, the the neat thing and, and the wonderful thing I really like about these movies is the the way they did some of the effects. You know, you have these short hobbits, the tall elves, the humans somewhere in between. Uh, and, and you know, but they did a lot of it on on the the you know the set. They didn't do a lot of it in post production. I mean, there's a lot of post production effects works too, but to to deal with that height thing, they used a lot of forced forced perspective and, and and different old school kind of movie techniques that allowed them the the uh, way of doing it where it looks I think a little bit more real in, in the camera and uh, to the audience than maybe if they they had uh, done it more with CGI and that kind of stuff. So I've got various clips from the movie that I'm going to sprinkle in here and uh, let's do one of those right now. Bilbo! Bilbo! He's gone, hasn't he? He talked for so long about leaving. I didn't think he'd really do it. Gandalf? Hmm. Bilbo's ring. He's gone to stay with the elves. He's left you back end. Along with all his possessions. The ring is yours now. Put it somewhere out of sight. Where are you going? There's some things that I must see to. What things? Questions. Questions that need answering. You've only just arrived. I don't understand. Neither do I. Keep it secret. <laughs> 
couple other actors that were considered for Gandalf, I thought was uh, were kind of interesting. Tom Baker, who was uh, one of the Doctor Who's on that long-running TV series, Tom Baker was considered for Gandalf, along with Sam Neill, of course. He's done the Jurassic Park movies and a lot of other stuff. Uh, he was also considered for uh, Gandalf's role. And it's really interesting to hear some of these names and, and how the movies might have turned out if they had used them. One of the actors, especially uh, Christopher Lee, who plays Saruman, uh, is is a huge fan of the books, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. He's actually the only one that had ever met Tolkien. He reads these books uh, once a year, he says, and... I guess Tolkien had said that if there was ever a movie version uh, made, he thought Christopher Lee would be great for Gandalf. But, of course, he plays the bad guy, the little uh, minion, uh, Saruman, uh, and does a great job there. I think uh, it fits him really well. He seems to play bad guys. Uh, Christopher Lee is good at that. so Or at least he doesn't always play bad guys. But, I, I you know, in the the second and uh, the prequel trilogy for the Star Wars films, uh, you know, he, he did a good job. And it's just... I think it's really cool to have somebody who knows these books as well in the movies. This is it. This is what? If I take one more step, it'll be the farthest away from home I've ever been. Come on, Sam. Remember what Bilbo used to say? It's a dangerous business, Frodo. Going out your door, you step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. One little other uh, funny little bit of trivia was that that uh, cake for Bilbo's birthday party near the beginning of the movie actually caught fire. They put so many candles on it, and it was sort of a plastic kind of cake, and it, it started on fire even though they continued to do the scene anyway and sort of... Uh, move, you know, the show must go on kind of uh, thing happened there. You know, this, uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, the book and this film, those have always been my favorite in the trilogy uh, for a few reasons. I, I like how all the different uh, characters come together for the first time and get to know each other a little bit. You know, the other movies are fantastic and great too, but they they turn, you know, into a lot of more battles, and, and those are great. But I, I don't know. To me, the characters are what these these stories and, and the story is all about. And I think that's why I like the first film the best. And you get to see everyone, you know, when they don't really know each other in first meeting, you know, Aragorn and Gandalf a little bit and, and all the rest of them, Gimli. And, and uh, it just uh, it's fun to see that. You get to see the elves. The, you get to see the expressions on the hobbits' faces when they see the elves for the first time uh, and all of that. And this is their first chance to uh, escape, uh, you know, from the the whole world and life they've known in little Hobbitville there and uh, get out into the real world or into Middle Earth. Oh, that was close. I think I've broken something. Trust a brandy buck and a toque. What? That was just a detour. A shortcut. A shortcut to what? Mushrooms. That's a nice one, Santa. I think we should get off the road. <laughs> get off the road! Quick! Yeah, I like the camaraderie between all the hobbits in this, in especially in the early scenes. It's nice because... 
you know the these the dark riders uh, uh, these ring wraiths are after the you know the the ring the the one ring to rule them all and all that so you need a little comedy occasionally in this uh, movie to break up all the you know intensity and nastiness that's going on uh the next clip here i think is just when they get to uh where uh they're up to uh meeting up with strider for the first time comes in pains I'm getting one. You got all half already. That fellow's done nothing but stare at you since we arrived. Excuse me. That man in the corner. Who is he? He's one of them rangers. Dangerous folk they are wandering the wilds. What his right name is, I've never heard, but round here, he's known as Strider. Strider. Like I said earlier, uh, Vigo Mortensen as Strider or Aragorn is is he's one of my favorites. He he was very intense uh in this film. Did insisted on doing just about every stunt, the horseback riding, the sword fighting, everything himself. He insisted on, on basically a real sword to fight with, a real solid steel sword rather than a lighter aluminum one or, or some kind of a fake sword to swing around. He actually would, he would keep the sword with him even when not filming, and it kind of caused some run-ins a few times with the local police uh, who kind of questioned him about this, but I guess he was kind of known to uh, try to stay in character. Yeah, I think he's kind of one of those actors who who really gets into his roles and his parts and tries to become the character almost that uh, he's playing on film. Yeah, maybe a little crazy, you know, but uh, I I think it works. I mean, I mean, he does a great job in this. He's he's very believable. Aragorn's a uh, and Str- or Strider, the other name he has is a very interesting, complex character, and they flesh things out a little bit. You know, some people would have commented about these movies that, you know, they change things just a little bit from the books, and yeah, but I think it works, and I think they kind of blend that. You know, he's he's an interesting character, and I, and I like what they did uh, with the elves and him and, and everything like that, so I think it works pretty well, uh, and I, I enjoyed uh, his performance a lot in this first movie especially. I think he does... He adds a lot of gravitas to the to the proceedings. So, uh, Peter Jackson originally only wanted to hire British actors for all of the Hobbits. Uh, Billy Boyd, uh, Dominic, Dominic Monaghan were the only ones that ended up actually being British. Uh, Elijah Wood and Sean Astin, both Americans, and so they sort of, you know, tried to uh, make them blend with the other Hobbits as, you know. The idea, I think, was to to say the hobbits are all sort of of the same species, in a way, of Middle-earth, and they should have similar ways of speaking and acting and, and things like that. So uh, it uh, it works just fine. I think Elijah Wood as Frodo does, does a fantastic job, a very difficult role. He really, he kind of has to carry the movie, but not, you know, in, in a real obvious way, especially in this first film. But I think he does it just right, not too much, not too little, and, and it works works well. And I, I think one of the best things, too, about it is how well it seems like all these actors uh, did together as a group, which is really what the book and the story is about. Gentlemen, we do not stop till nightfall. What about breakfast? We've already had it. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Knows about second breakfast, Pip. What about elevensies? Luncheon, afternoon tea, dinner, supper. He knows about them, doesn't he? I wouldn't count on it. Pippin. A few other casting bits of news or information. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal who's got a big uh, Prince of Persia movie coming out in the spring in May. He was uh, auditioned for the role of Frodo. Uh, also, some pregnancies uh, changed Peter Jackson's version of what he wanted for Lord of the Rings. He originally wanted to cast Lucy Lawless, yes, Xena, as Galadriel, 
instead of Kate Blanchett, and Uma Thurman as Arwen. Although I would have almost maybe reversed those. I don't know. But uh, those uh, slightly older, not really old, old, but a little older than the actresses that they ended up going with. But both of them became pregnant uh, after they were asked to read Lucy Lawless and Uma. So they couldn't go with them to do the movie. So they eventually used uh, Kate Blanchett for Gladriel and uh, Liv Tyler as Arwen. As far as uh, Bilbo Baggins' uh, role, Ian Holm was always uh, Peter Jackson's first choice to play Bilbo uh, in the movie. I'm not sure if he's going to have anything to do with this Hobbit production that they're working on. I know, of course, they're going to have to go with a much younger actor, but maybe there'll be a little spot for like a flashback thing or something like that where Ian Holm would get a chance to do a little something for the movie. I think that would be a nice, a nice connection. Um, for that uh, that new movie, or actually two movies that they're working on for The Hobbit. It is a gift. A gift to the foes of Mordor. Why not use this ring? Long has my father, the steward of Gondor, kept the forces of Mordor at bay. By the blood of our people are your lands kept safe. Give Gondor the weapon of the enemy. Let us use it against him. You cannot wield it. None of us can. The One Ring answers to Sauron alone. It has no other master. And what would a ranger know of this matter? This is no mere ranger. He is Aragorn, son of Arathorn. You owe him your allegiance. Aragorn. And heir to the throne of Gondor. Have a bad, Douglas. Gondor has no king. Gondor needs no king. Yeah, that's uh, Sean Bean there as Boromir. Uh, just does a fantastic job. Really a difficult uh, role in Boromir in that part, but I think he does a great job. Just like I've said about just about every actor, I think, in this movie, you can tell that I really enjoy it quite a bit, and I think they're all excellent and wonderful and perfectly cast in a way. It's still interesting to see the alternates and the other actors that might have made it if, uh, you know, different circumstances hadn't played out and, and some of that, uh, you know, sometimes uh, pregnancies or, or just somebody not all that interested in the role and turned it down or, or whatever the reason, and it, they end up with this cast. But I think they, they did a great job and uh, it really came together well. I will take the ring to Mordor. possible to separate you even when he is summoned to a secret council and you are not. Wait, we're coming too! We'll have to send us all tied up in a sack to stop it. Anyway, you need people of intelligence on this sort of mission. Quest. Thank you. Well, that rules you out, Pip. I'm 
forbid. You shall be the Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Where are we going? Yeah, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, that council scene with all of them there. And then they finally, you know, they're all kind of arguing about the ring and, and, and getting all petty and bickering and everything like that. And then little Frodo, the little hobbit, just stands up there and just says, I'll, I'll, ta I'll take the ring. I'll take it to Mordor and destroy it for you and all that. And, and here, you know, all these big heroes and their weapons and everything like that. And there's this little just hobbit just sitting there and you know first you don't really hear him and and then he speaks a little louder and then they all kind of pay attention and they you know i think that's an important point that uh, tolkien was always trying to make with the story in the books that you, you don't need to necessarily be the biggest hero the, the toughest the bravest uh, or or anything like that to 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 actually do something heroic you just have to you know want to do the right thing and and to stand up and, and to jump in there even when you don't know exactly what's going to happen you just have to dive in and and just do it and see see where the uh, chips fall and and how everything works out and of course he has a great group of uh companions to help him which which is you know just shows the friendship and the loyalty of all of them and how they come together to do this sort of almost really impossible task and and it's also uh, the hobbits are kind of innocent in a way too the you know, the others, they all have their own little agendas. You know, they want to restore the humans and Gondor and all that. And and Gandalf is very, very tempted by the ring and the power that he could, you know, perhaps have if he took it. And all of, all those different little things. But the hobbits are not really like that. Slowly, of course, during the course of the movies, that that uh, Frodo is sort of slowly becomes a little bit uh, enamored and possessed by the ring and wants it and, and doesn't want anyone to take it or wants anyone to destroy it. But that's why, again, he has friends with him to help him in his task. It's a good scene there in, in down in Moria, you know, the, when the orcs show up and, and Frodo pulls out Sting and it's lighting up blue and they know they're in trouble. And it's just well choreographed. It looks so intense. The the battles in both this movie and all the rest are, are, are so well done. And they just seem very real and very gritty and everything like that. And I like it. I also love the lighting and the coloring in this movie and, and all the others too. I mean, most of my comments pretty much go for all of the all of the movies, but uh, it's uh, you know it's it's just the look. It sort of has an ethereal quality at different points, and, and I enjoy that quite a bit. Uh, just so many things. I, I I hate to. I mean, there's really nothing even negative I can even think of to say about these movies. I just I just can't do it, and this one especially. I, I just uh, enjoy it so much. So um, it is uh, fantastic stuff. Here's another clip. Oh! 
Darkfire, wielder of the flame of Arnold. Darkfire will not avail you. Flame of Udun! Go back to the shadow. Yeah, there's the great scene there where Gandalf uh, stands off against the Balrog and gets pulled down into the pit there when they're trying to escape the mines. Uh, it's really cool looking. I, I think uh, it's always kind of how I imagine what the Balrog would look like, this big sort of devil, tall beast with the uh, flames and the whip and all that. I think they did a, a Weta workshops and everything. All the guys that did the effects work, effects work for this film did a wonderful thing and uh, Howard Shore's score is just great I, I, I think just like John Williams and we had a, a great uh, special podcast by Vartok a few weeks ago about John Williams and his music for movies especially the Star Wars saga just you think about how much the music adds to the movie I think Howard Shore does the same thing for uh, the Lord of the Rings movies and I, I really enjoy listening to the soundtrack to these movies as well the test I will diminish and go into the west and remain Galadriel I cannot do this alone you are a ring bearer Frodo to bear a ring of power is to be alone this task was appointed to you and if you do not find a way no one will. Then I know what I must do. It's just... I'm afraid to do it. Another uh, couple of possibilities uh, for the role of Gandalf in this uh, were uh, John Astin, actually. Sean Astin's father was considered for Gandalf. He had worked uh, with Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh before and uh, was very excited, but uh, that didn't work out. Sean Connery was also considered for the role of Gandalf, but actually uh, the, the story that I've read and heard a few times is that uh, Sean doesn't really get into these books, doesn't quite understand the story, so I guess he wasn't all that interested in working in the Lord of the Rings movies. And uh, it's still, again, it's like a lot of films and a lot of TV shows. It's hard to imagine any of these other actors really doing uh, the roles and the job that the the ending you know the ending cast did but uh, yeah it's it's that's just because we're so used to it i think a little bit now as well but they did they all did a great job the last clip i've got one more to play from the movie this is the sort of end of the first uh first film the fellowship of the ring near the end of it where they're kind of everyone's kind of going their own ways a couple of the hobbits have been taken by the orcs uh frodo and sam are going off and and the other three aragorn uh, and uh, why am I blanking out? Orlando Bloom's character, the Archer guy, Legolas and Gimli. Yes, those guys. They're all going off to, to chase after the uh, the other hobbits that have been taken, Merry and Pippin, by the orcs. And uh, so here, anyway, here's the last clip that I have from The Fellowship of the Ring. You mean not to follow them? Frodo's fate is no longer in our hands. Then it has all been in vain. The fellowship has failed. What if we hold true to each other? We will not abandon Mary and Pippin to torment and death. 
Not while we have strength left. Leave all that can be spared behind. We travel light. Let us hunt some orc. You're with me. Yeah, so that's the end of the first Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. I I didn't talk, uh, you know, there there are a couple versions of this out on DVD. Basically, there's the theatrical version and then there's the what's known as the extended director's cut version, which adds about I guess about a half hour or so more to the movie, mostly extended scenes and things like that. Uh it's it's just a great uh, film, uh great fantasy, great drama, great emotion and uh, it I think it's the kind of movie too that a lot of people can enjoy that aren't necessarily big fantasy or sci-fi uh, buffs, but just enjoy it for the spectacle a little and the drama and all of that. So that's it for me and my take on The Fellowship of the Ring. Great film. Someday on Treks and Sci-Fi, I hope to cover the other two Lord of the Rings movies as well, uh, The Two Towers and Return of the King, in some future installment of the podcast. But uh, we will be, or I will be, right back uh, after this brief uh, comments and a song, I think, from our friend Rick Moyer over at Take Him With You, uh, the podcast uh, that's spiritual, not religious. Anyway, here's Rick and his comments about The Fellowship of the Ring and a new song. Take it away, Rick. Hi, Rico. This is Rick Moyer from Aberdeen, Washington. I'm the host of Take Him With You, and of course, I'm Moyer777 on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. Wanted to thank you for covering Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, the first installment of the trilogy. I have to say that when I was a kid, I loved The Hobbit, and I couldn't get through the Lord of the Ring books because they were just too big for me. I didn't, I didn't have the, didn't have the patience to get through them. But as time went on, I grew up a little bit. I read them, and thought they were fascinating. Was excited to see that they were going to do some, uh, like cartoons and stuff about them. Then when uh, Peter Jackson picked up the project and actually did the movies the way that, well, just blew us away, our imagination. I mean, he he took our imagination and even went further than that and really created some masterpieces of cinema. The only gripe that I ever had about any of the movies are just too long. I mean, gosh, you'd have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the movie because he couldn't just stay, sit in the theater that long. But uh, fabulous stuff, and he did a great job on it. So... Uh, instead of going on and on and on about it, because um, I do like it, it's fun. I'm not like a super crazy fan, but I do enjoy it. Um, I wrote a song that I thought you would really enjoy. It's a parody song to John Mellencamp's uh, Jack and Diane. This one's called Frodo and Sam, right here on Treks and Sci-Fi. Thanks, Rico. See you next week. Wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. If you're referring to the incident with the dragon, I was barely involved. Little ditty about Frodo and Sam. Two little hobbits growing up in the Shireland. Frodo's gonna be a hero and more. Sam will protect him all the way to Mordor. Gandalf, my old friend. 
This will be a night to remember. Sucking on a pint of ale at a party midst the trees. After the speech, cousin Bilbo disappears just like the breeze. Gandalf say, hey boys, we gotta go on a journey. Off to Rivendale, we got us some L's to see. And Frodo say, oh yeah, life will go on. Long after the ring, a sword is gone. Oh yeah, life will go on Long after the ring of sun is gone They walk on Your time will come You will face the same evil And you will defeat it Frodo sits back Meets a guy named Strider Gets stabbed by a witch king When he uses the ring Rescued on a horse That runs through the water Elrond says Hey, it was no big thing Frodo said Oh yeah, life goes on Long after the ring A sword is gone Oh yeah Welcome to Rivendell. That's great, Rick. I, I it just can't say enough at how great it is when you send in your comments and thoughts and along with a new song that all of us can enjoy. Uh, great work, as always. Just fantastic. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, just uh, keep it up uh, is all I can say, buddy. I love it. Uh, let's see. Let's just wrap up the podcast right now. I, I want to get this edited, and and it's just a busy time for Rico right now. And How many times? Is that two or three, four third-person references? I don't know. Who knows? Hi, again, thanks, everyone, always, every week for listening to the podcast. Uh, check out some of the uh, special things that, uh, I, I, you know, the offers with GoDaddy and Zazzle and things like that I've been talking about. There's also links to other ways to save money on uh, different things, uh, a Star Trek desktop and uh, just sticker foo, which are some cool stickers. You can find all that over at treksinsci-fi.com. Also, donation links if you would like to donate to the podcast. Those are always very welcome and very appreciated. Uh, always helpful. And if you enjoy the show, send in whatever you can. Next week on the podcast, we're going to be looking at the TNG episode, The Most Toys. That's a data episode. I think it's from season four, I believe. Uh, anyway, I'll be looking up at that. Looking, looking up at that. 
I'll be looking at that. Oh, it's time for the Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's, it's starting to kick in. I'll be looking at that next week on Treks and Sci-Fi. Until then, everyone, take care. Be safe. Uh, stay warm if you're in a cold climate. Hopefully uh, things are in, in better. You know, there's just crazy things going on in the world and in the weather and everything uh, the last couple of weeks. So I hope you're safe and sound. And uh, we'll come back next week to enjoy more Treks and Sci-Fi. Take care, everyone. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. So cast your troubles into the sky. They can be the stars in our eyes. And we can count them on another day from far away. Life is just a dream. Lucky, lucky me. Lucky, lucky me.